0: We're so glad to have you guys here. Top to give him a half. I'm excited. I'm excited. And even if you don't feel excited, sometimes when you, you, when you, when you talk to yourself and say, "I'm going to be excited today," I'm going to be expecting today. You can, you can actually speak yourself into the life that you want if you believe that. Say Amen. That's why David will often say, "You know, say to my soul, awake." If you're not really that awake, because you know the summer's in and you're feeling like sleeping in, you can say, "Say to my soul, awake." You know, because we're here to be awake this morning as we get into the presence of God. Hard to, hard to sleep uh, when God's presence is here. If you believe that, say Amen. Amen. Well, we are excited for what's happening today. Uh, We are going through a series uh, at uh, Thrive called Happy, Healthy Home. And it's all about how you can have a happy, healthy home. I believe it's the bottom heart desire of many of us in this place is that our homes will be happy and healthy. And maybe it's your marriage, you want your marriage to be happy and healthy, your kids, you want them to be happy and healthy, your family, you want them to be happy and healthy. And so over the past number of weeks, we've been looking at different keys to having a happy, healthy home as per the Word of God, what the Word of God says about what it means to be a happy and healthy married couple, what it means to be a happy, healthy parent, what it means to be a happy, healthy child. We've been talking about all these things, going bit by bit, piece by piece into what it what it takes to build a happy, healthy home. If you enjoyed the series so far, say amen. We've had a really good time in this series. Last week uh, was uh, a powerful time when we looked at the role of the man in a happy, healthy home. Do you guys enjoy that message last week? Yeah, and we went into that. And uh, let me tell you this. If you weren't here last week, you got to see that message. It's a must-see message. It's a must-see message. I, 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 don't, I don't just say it because I was the one preaching. I, I say it because that's a message that I want every person at Thrive Church to have in their heart not just through their ears, but in their heart. If you're a man in this place, you got to get that message into your ears and into your heart because you have five roles to play in your home if you want to be happy and healthy, in your church if you want to be happy and healthy, and we want to encourage you to take a, take a listen to that message if you haven't already. This morning, we have something extremely special going on. We're looking at the role of the woman in the happy, healthy home. Let's give a big hand for all the women in this place. Let's give a big, big, big hand right now, right? Praise God. Awesome. Awesome, and we have a very special person who's be gonna be here to share about that. Let me uh, do this to introduce her. Uh, I, I, I'm a bit nervous right now. Um, but I, I, and so I wrote, I wrote out my introduction for her. Um, she hasn't seen it, she hasn't heard it, but uh, that's just kinda just something that happens with me when I, when I think about this girl. Um, ne- next month, opening in theaters worldwide, there's a movie called Wonder Woman. And uh, Wonder Woman, she's a superhero. She's a beautiful princess from another land who uses her incredible God-given abilities to rescue people, to fight evil, to affect change, and to bring hope to a broken world. Next month, people around the world will get to see Wonder Woman in action at a theater near them. But here at Thrive, we are indescribably blessed because week after week and year after year, we get to see a real-life superhero in action. Her name is Pastor Charlene. And just like Wonder Woman... This superhero, she's a beautiful princess of a king, uses her incredible God-given abilities to rescue people, to fight evil, to affect change, and to bring hope to a broken world. She prays for you, and she leads you in prayer. She spends countless hours shepherding, counseling, and caring for people in our church family. She uses the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to help people see just how powerful they are in Jesus Christ. She gives so much without asking for anything in return. She's creative. She's the brilliant mind behind so many of the best things that we've done here at Thrive. She's also proof that you can be unbelievably godly and unbelievably good-looking at the same time. She's the wisest and most beautiful woman I know. She's the best mom I've ever seen, and I'm so proud to call her my wife. She is one of the co-founders of Thrive Church, the spiritual mother of a church family, and one of the pastors here at Thrive. Ladies and gentlemen, Proverbs 31, 28 says that a woman of noble character uh, is one where the children arise and call her blessed. Uh, Would you rise with me? Could you just do that? Could you just rise with me with a heart to bless uh, and welcome Pastor Charlene as she brings the word of God to us this morning? Can we do that together? Let's give Pastor Charlene a big, warm, honoring, passionate welcome as she comes to the stage this morning. Can we do that together? Give her a big shout right now. Can we do that right now?
1: Good morning, Thrive Church. Thank you so much. Um, I I am the one who's so privileged to be called your pastor and to be able to have all of you in my life. So please have a seat, and uh, <laughs> we're going to get started today. I'm so excited to share this message with you today. Over the last couple, over the last several weeks, as Pastor JB had mentioned, we've been talking about how to have a help, happy and healthy home, and the keys to having a happy and healthy home. And last week, Pastor JB shared a very powerful message with us, and it was talking about the roles that a man has in a happy, healthy home. Let's take a look at them. Number one, it was the role of a king. The role of a king means that he is respected, that he is trustworthy, and that he is someone who keeps his promises. That's the first one, of the role of a man is to be a king. The second one is to be a protector. He protects his family. He makes the people in his life feel very safe and secure. And number three, it's the role of a provider. He provides for the needs of his family. He, you know, he works hard at home. And he also works really hard in his workplace. Number four, it's to be a good priest. He's the person who leads the family spiritually. And number five, he's a gentleman. He's someone who treats the women in his life with honour, with respect, and with dignity. So last week we talked about the roles of a man. And this week, we are going to be looking at how a woman fits into a happy, healthy home. And we're going to look at five roles that she plays in the home. Are you guys ready? Now, if you are a single girl in this place and you're not married yet, can I invite you to take notes? Because I'm going to tell you why. It's because when I first got married, I had no idea how to be a good wife to my husband. I remember our first year of marriage, it was Pastor JB's birthday, and I really wanted to go out of my way to bless him with a gift. And so I, I searched all over, I Googled, and did everything that I could, and I was like, what am I going to get that's really just going to honor and bless him? And so in the end, I walked into Burke's and I picked out a man bracelet, a silver man bracelet, and I thought it looked really good. And then I even like engraved some words on it, and I thought, J.B is going to love this. And so a few days later, it's his birthday, and so I give him this gift with a really simple card, and I say, "Happy birthday, J.B." And, uh, and J.B. took it in, and I thought, I, thought I, I did very well. I thought like this was, you know, the gift of the lifetime, until like a couple days later, we're driving down a road, and all of a sudden, J.B. pulls the car over and stops. And then he looks really unhappy, and I was like. Are you okay? And he was like, Shar, do you love me? <laughs> and I was like, in my head, I'm thinking, what? And I was like, I really thought that I gave him such a precious gift. Isn't that enough? Like, isn't a man's silver bracelet enough to prove my love for him? And then he looks at me, he's like, If you love me, like why is it that I don't feel it? And then as we talked more, I mean we argued and then we talked and then pastor jb and then i realized it's not that pastor jb didn't appreciate the man bracelet i i think he likes it but it's the fact that he wanted to hear words of encouragement from me he wanted to be affirmed in his role as a husband from his wife and then i did not know what to do like i was i was speechless i was like i love you i i thought i showed it to you but obviously i didn't and i really need to learn quickly how to speak words of encouragement And so, ladies in this place, if you're single, do I wish that I started earlier on practicing the gift of encouragement? Absolutely. Because it would have saved us a lot of frustration and a lot of arguments in our marriage. You know what else it would have saved? It would have saved us a lot of money. See, it's for that reason that Pastor J.B. rarely, and I mean rarely, not never, but rarely receives expensive gifts from his wife, right? And so, women in this place, start practicing. It's not too early, and if you are a single man in this place, I also invite you to take some notes. Because if you want to marry a woman one day, you want to find a girl who knows her God-given roles and who is committed to fulfilling those roles. See, the Bible says um, that, a, that a wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. And so girls in, like guys in this place, if you find a girl who has these five qualities, let me tell you, she's a keeper and you should marry her okay and so you should definitely listen up because if you don't if you don't find this girl and you marry her life can be pretty disastrous for you now if you are a married man in this place um, listen up because you know what you need to know how to support and love your wife it's part of being a great husband and part of being a great man of god and so let's start looking by looking at a passage in the bible let's look at genesis 18 18 21 and 22 let's read it out loud together. It says, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. Okay, let's take a close look at what's happening here. See, Adam was the first man created. We all know that, right? And uh, when Adam was created, like, God looked at him and said, you know what? It's actually not good for you to be alone. Therefore, I'm going to make you a helper. And so I believe what God did was he gave him, like, an anesthetics, put him to sleep, and then he performed, like, the, the best surgery ever by taking out one of his bones. And out of that bone, out of that rib bone, Eve was created. And then God said, you know what? This woman is going to be your helper. Now, before you cringe at the word helper, don't. Sit still, because let me talk to you. I had a really hard time with this word helper. I was like, you mean, God, my role as a woman is simply to help my husband? I mean, can I not have my own ambitions and my own career and do things the way that I want to do and pursue my own dreams. Like, what do you mean, God, that like my role is to be his helper? And I had a really hard time with this. And it wasn't until I dug deeper into the meaning of what it really means. You see, when you're in doubt, like go to the original meaning of this word. Go to the original language. And so that's what I did. I went to the original language. I looked up the word helper in the dictionary in the original Hebrew language. Do you know what the word helper means? Take a look, it says see the word is Ezar, and it means to bring life, to rescue, to save in times of difficulty. Ezar, helper, means to bring life, to rescue, and to save in times of difficulty. In fact, the the word Ezar, it appeared about 20 times in the Old Testament. And every single time that this word was mentioned, it was mentioned with a reference to God being the helper to Israel. Now that's grand. I really don't think it's a demeaning word at all. It is actually a very, like a very strong role. And that's what like God made the women in this place to be. He made you to be someone who gives life. And I believe that's not just in the literal sense of like giving birth, you know, being pregnant, giving birth and popping out babies. I don't think that's what it's all about. I believe that being a helper means that you give life to different situations and that you give life to the people around you, especially your family. And so today I want to share with you five roles that I believe God has called the women to to play in order to give life. Are you guys ready? All right. Number 1. Number 1, the wife is a queen. I know can I get an amen from the girls in this place? (laughs) Amen. See, the wife is a queen. Last week, Pastor JV mentioned how God created mankind to rule over creation and that we are children of God. And as children of God, you know what? You're not just part of any ordinary family. You are actually part of a royal family. Everyone say royal. And turn to the person next to you and say, you are royalty. And because you are royalty and your job, your role, you were commissioned to rule, guess what? That makes you a queen. And, um, you know, this is what I believe. I believe that we, like, we are called to be queens. And the question is, how do we be the best queen that we could possibly be? How do we do that? And I believe this is how. I believe that we can. We are queens. We are the best queens and that we are the most effective and powerful queens when we respect and help our husbands. Everyone say, huh? All right, let me explain. See, number one, I believe like our our men, the men in this place, our husbands, they really need respect. Just as a woman really needs to feel like she is loved, in the very core of a man, he needs to feel like he's respected. And I wish I knew this earlier. And this is the thing, like when we think about respect, like I don't think any woman ever wakes up or any wife ever wakes up and says, I'm going to disrespect my husband today. I don't think anybody ever tries to do it, but we do it unintentionally. And so today I wanna share with you two ways that you can prevent your husband from feeling disrespected, okay? Number one, respect his judgment and submit to his decisions. And this is something about respect that I noticed in the Bible, is that every time respect comes up, there's always like this idea of submission that is that goes hand in hand with it. Let's look at a passage. It says in Ephesians 5, 22 to 24, we're gonna read three verses. Everyone, let's read out loud together. It says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church his body of which he is the Savior now as the church submits to Christ so also wives should submit to their husband in everything the wife must respect her husband okay take a look at this verse because it doesn't say wives submit to your husband's when he is nice to you or wives submit to your husband only when he is right The Bible actually says, wives submit to your husbands in everything. The wife must respect her husband. And I know, wives in this place, you're probably like sitting like in your seat and you're just like, that's actually really, really scary. I mean, especially if your husband is not Christian. Especially if your husband does not know God and does not uh, submit to the authority of God. That could be a really catastrophic thing. Or maybe you're reading this passage and in your head you you get this picture of submission. You're like... You imagine this woman who's extremely silent. She's not allowed to speak, and she says yes to everything that her husband says, and her role is to simply cater to the needs and the demands of her husband, and that all that she is called to do is to simply take care of her husband, take care of her family, pop up babies, and take care of her kids, right? And that is what I thought submission went, until I looked at it. See... I can tell you this, husbands, they actually don't want their wives to be silent. They don't want their wives to not speak and feel like a slave and live in bondage with no freedom or decision power. I don't think there's any man in their right mind who wants their wife to be like that. They actually want their wives to flourish. They want their wives to walk in the God-given destiny that God has put on his wife. But do you know like where I think things went wrong. I think where things went wrong and where husbands feel disrespected is in how we communicated differences to them, right? I I think husbands want their wives to have the freedom of expression. In fact, I think husbands value their wives' opinions. I think they, they would love to hear what their wives have to say, but it is when we don't do it in a loving and respectful way. It's when we constantly put them down and say, I don't think that's right. Or we constantly put them down and make them feel like they their judgment is wrong and that their opinions are, you know, like not important and that their decisions are horrible. It's when we constantly do that to the men in our lives where they start feeling like I'm a number one loser. I have no respect in this family. And that's when the alarm bells go off in his head and he starts to do things that really hurts the wife and hurts his family and hurts like his relationship with his family. And so I hope you can see that when the Bible talks about submission, it's not talking about a mindless concession to everything that the husband says. I believe it's saying that I will respect my husband and submit to his authority over my life. I will give him the room to make mistakes. I don't expect my husband to perform at 100% every single day. I know that he will make mistakes. I know that sometimes his decisions may not be that great. But it's about saying, you know what? even though, even though he's probably not right, even though he didn't make a very good decision, I'm still going to respect him, and I'm still going to accept him, and I'm still going to love him, and I'm still going to follow him. I believe that is submission. And um, let me tell you this, I find like, that disrespect usually doesn't happen um, because you intentionally do it. I believe that disrespect happens in those times when you actually least intend it. It happens a lot. Like I find, you know, with Pastor Jamie and myself, whenever we get into arguments, one thing that we've noticed is that usually, you know, our argument starts not because of what we are saying to each other, but it's how we say it. And why is in this place? Can I give you two tips that I have learned in my marriage? Two tips. Actually, it's one tip, two words tip is do not use generalization words like always and never. Don't say those words as much as possible. Don't tell your husband, you always forget to take out the garbage, or you never wash the dishes, you never do this, or you always do that. Because when you do that, it actually makes him feel absolutely disrespected. And when he feels disrespected, he feels unloved. And so don't say those things. Stop being like making these generalizations. So tell the person next to you be accurate with what you say. So important. The second way, the second way is that your husband wants your respect in public. Your husband wants your respect not just in the private privacy of your own home. He actually, I would say wants it more in public in front of others. And this is not a pride or eagle thing. I think I think I think, you know, I honestly think that need, the need for respect is something that God hardwired into a man, just as he hardwired women to say, I need to feel loved. And, and this is the thing. He really needs his respect. He, need, he really needs his wife's respect in private. And the Bible even reinforces this. See, in Proverbs 31, when we're talking about the most virtuous women of all, Proverbs 31, 23 says, her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. And how can we do it? How we can show our husband respect in public is by speaking well of him, whether he's there or not. And for the why this place, know what I'm talking about? Say amen. See, it's about saying, I'm going to honor my husband, I'm going to respect him, even if he's not meeting my expectations, even if he's making mistakes, even if he's mistreating me today, I'm still going to protect his reputation in front of others. And do you know why that's so important? It's because when you do that, you're actually protecting yourself and your family as well. When you don't do that, what happens is that your, your, your husband feels absolutely disrespected. And, and he feels like um, he is absolutely unloved by you. And sometimes, like, wives, we have this way of, you know, talking to other wives. We're like, oh, you know, my husband did this. My husband did that. Oh, like, oh. And And then we think maybe in the back of our head, you know, if my husband knew that other people know about his flaws and weaknesses, maybe he will actually shape up. Can I tell you something? It has the opposite effect. When you tell other women and your husband knows that you are talking to other people about his weaknesses and his flaws, it actually makes them want to go away from you. He doesn't want to be near you. It actually makes him feel absolutely disrespected, absolutely unloved, to the point where he just doesn't even want to be in the marriage anymore. And so let's be careful with what we say. And queens in this place, I have a question for you. How well have you shown respect to your husband through your words? How well have you shown respect to your husband in the public and in the private? Trust me, it's not too late to show him more respect, starting now. Number two, the wife is a companion. See, earlier in Genesis, we looked at the passage where um, Adam was uh, created, and then God said, Adam is not good for you to be alone, and so I'm going to create a helper for you. See, this is what I believe. I believe that when God said, Adam needs a helper, I believe that God is not talking about, he needs a helper to do physical things. I don't know, like mowing the lawn in the garden, right? I don't think God was talking about, Adam, you need help to mow the lawn. Because if that were the case, then I think God would have created an Adam clone, or God could have easily given him, like, I don't know, an automatic lawnmower. And all of those things would be a lot better than a wife, right? But I believe what God was talking about. God was speaking to the condition of Adam's heart. God was saying that you need a companion of the heart. And, and, that's, and that's the thing. See, when I look at the Bible, there's a verse which really struck me. It says, in Song of Songs 516, it says, This is my beloved. And, and th- the person talking is a wife, right? She says, This is my beloved, referring to her husband, and this is my friend, And I believe that, like, God actually encourages, and he weds marriage with friendship. See, notice how, even in this verse, like, husband, your spouse, is right next to the word friend. And nowadays, the the, the word friend is, like, is, you know, is defined so loosely because, we have like facebook friends like say you've got like 1000 or 2000 facebook friends and honestly like i wouldn't call majority of them to be your true friends but i believe when the bible says a husband and wife should be friends i believe this is what that friendship looks like it's one where they're really in love with each other. They can have heart-to-heart conversations. They can sit down, watch a movie together, read a book together. They can really just be themselves. They look forward to spending time with each other. They look forward to going home so that they can see their friend, and, um, and, and they share values. You know, they, they might disagree, but they will still commit to accepting the person and loving the person for who he or she is. I believe that's what friendship in a marriage should look like. And so let me ask you a question. Husbands and wives in this place, like, what, are, what have you been doing to foster friendship in your marriage? I know it's extremely tough, especially when you have kids. I remember when Pastor Jamie and I were first married, in the first nine years of marriage, it was really easy for us to just do whatever we wanted. We could go watch movies. We could go have dinner. We can do whatever we wanted because there was no kid. But then when Bradley came into the picture our time became very limited. I mean, we're both very, very busy. But do you guys wanna know how we foster friendship in our marriage relationship? This is what we do. You know, it's hard for us to get out nowadays. And so what we do is we try to get Bradley to bed. We both put him down. And then what we do is sometimes we'll just sit in front of the couch and we will watch a movie together. And uh, other times, we might be sitting in the office, and Pastor JB and I, you know, we're we're just like, hey, how can I be praying for you? And we're not talking about, like, family. We're not talking about church stuff. But sometimes we just kind of sit there and go, hey, how can I be praying for you? And so growing friendship in a marriage, it doesn't really have to be complicated. It could just be, like, a two-hour span in, like, a week. It doesn't matter what it is. But the fact is, we need to be very intentional about making time for each other. Because if you want your marriage to last, it's because if you want a healthy and happy marriage, then you need to take time to grow the friendship in your marriage. And if you believe that, say amen. Amen. Point number three. Point number three, I believe a wife is called to be an encourager. See, I want to share a verse with you in the Bible that used to have a really tough time understanding, and it's Proverbs 14.1. Proverbs 14.1 says, the wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears her down. Let me be honest, like, for a long time, I really didn't understand what this verse is talking about. I was like, I don't know anything about how to build a house. I have no clue what construction is all about. I'm not an architect, and I have no idea how to put together a blueprint. And so I'm like, God, like, you want me to build a house? Are you kidding? Are you sure you've got the right person? And as I dug deeper into the Bible, this is what I found. A wise woman builds her house, not a physical house, but her home and her family through her words of encouragement. Let's read 2 verses in Proverbs. It says Proverbs 15:4, "The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit." Proverbs 12:18, it says, "Reckless words pierce like a sword." See, both of these verses are talking about the power of our tongue and our words. It says that a soothing tongue that speaks gentle and kind words gives life, but a perverse tongue that speaks harsh and cutting words crushes and pierces like a sword. And so women in this place, this is what I want to tell you. You, your tongue has the power of life and death in your family. Did you know that? It has the absolute power of life and death simply by what you say and what you choose to say or not to say. You know, one of the best encouragers that I know in my life is Pastor JB. And being his wife, I have the privilege of like being showered with encouragement all the time. And uh, I can tell you from this past week, like this past week I was preparing the sermon and and admittedly, like, I think I was, I was nervous, and uh, I was praying the sermon. I was praying about, you know, what should I do? Like, what should I say? God, what do you want the women to know? And uh, at the very beginning of the week, Pastor JB wrote me a message in a journal that we share. <clears throat> and so he wrote this really encouraging message that said, you know, Shar, like, I believe in you. I believe you can do it. And, uh, and it, was a, it, it was just a two-page, like, message to me to encourage me in this time of sermon prep. And you know, guys, this is what happened. Like, when In those times when I'm sitting at my computer and I'm stuck and I'm like, I don't know what to do right now, I don't know what to say, I actually went and took the journal and I would open it and I would read it. And every time after I finished reading JB's encouraging note to me, I felt like I had strength to keep going again. And um, it got to the point where, because Towards the end of the week, I felt like I was just constantly stuck. And so I actually laid out that page in front of my computer. So I'm sitting at my computer, and I've got the page, the two-page spread right in front of me. And in front of, and behind that is my computer. I kept it open until this morning. And, it's, and that's the power of encouraging words, is that it really has the power to give life. And because Pastor JB and I really you know, try to make it a point to encourage one another, in our home like we have this culture of speaking encouraging words and so our son bradley you know i think over time has brat like has picked up on the fact that hey this is how men should talk to women and so this is really cute because lately i find something that bradley would say to me sometimes at dinner is he goes (coughs) mommy you're the goodest cook ever (laughs) and it's so cute it's like honey to my soul and um and let me tell you guys I'm not a very good cook. I remember in our first couple years of marriage, one thing that I would often say to Pastor JB is I would say, honey, I'm really sorry that the meal doesn't taste very good today. Um, you know, I, I hope that when you're eating it, that you don't focus on the flavor, but focus on just how healthy it is and focus on the nutritional value that this food will bring to your body, right? And guys, like, I think to this day, after 14 years, yeah, I mean, Edmund, you know, I, I, have, I have improved, But like, I am definitely not a pro at cooking. I really just cook to get by. But when my son speaks that into my life, and he goes, Mommy, you're the goodest cook ever. And I notice that he always says it when there's fish on the table. And when he says that, you know what it makes me want to do? It makes me want to feed him more fish. But not just that. It actually makes me want to become a better cook. It's not that I am a better cook, but when somebody speaks that into my life, someone like my son or my husband, it makes me actually want to become that person that they're calling me to be. And so, why isn't this like? Why is this place don't get the wrong message? I mean, I'm not telling you to start manipulating your husband, and uh, and start saying you know like, I mean you know start using your words to uh, abuse it. Don't don't do that. Like, um, but you know you, you could try this. Um, <laughs> So say your husband doesn't really like to wash the dishes. And uh, (coughs) instead of saying, why is it you never wash the dishes? Why is it that I have to tell you like 10 times before you get to the dishes? Maybe you can try another approach. Instead of the criticism, instead of the picking at his faults and flaws, maybe you can try saying, hey, you're really good at washing dishes. I really appreciate how you like, went and took initiative to wash those dishes. And there's a higher chance. I'm not saying it's going to happen. There's just a higher chance that he will actually try to live to be that role that you're calling him to be. And why is in this place? You're probably like, well, Pastor Char, like, why should I be the one encouraging my husband? The fact is he never encourages me. He never says anything good about me. Can I tell you why? The reason why you should start speaking encouraging words in your home is because when you start doing that, it changes the spiritual atmosphere. It changes the atmosphere of your home. And when you start speaking encouraging words and the atmosphere is changed for the better, it is tough for the man in that household to not start changing. And man in this place, don't put the burden on the wife to always be the one saying encouraging words. Start saying it now. And do you want to know why? The reason why men in this place, you should speak encouraging words to your wife is this. Because when you build your wife, guess what? Your wife will build your house. Amen? And so wives and husbands, men and women in this place say, I want to build others up. Point number four. Point number four, it says the wife is a trophy. Now this past week I was thinking about what should I share with the women in this place and the Holy Spirit actually led me to a passage in the Bible and it's in Esther 2 and see in Esther 2 there's a story about a king. His name is King Xerxes, and he was an extremely powerful king who reigned over a very large territory in Persia. And so in Esther chapter 2, you know, King Xerxes, he is this great king. And he says, I want to display my greatness to all the people. And so he held a feast. And so he said he invited all of his royal friends. He invited, like, all these people. And it was simply to display his magnificence and his greatness and his wealth. And as part of that display, he wanted to show off his wife. Now, his wife, her name is Queen Vashti. And so he really wanted to show off his wife. And so he said, um, you know, Queen Vashti, could you please put on your royal robe, put on your royal crown, and I would like you to make a royal appearance. Now, I'm reading this passage, and I'm like, how vain. Like, seriously, I was just like, I would not want to be that queen because I don't want to be known for just my looks right I don't want that like as a girl like I have brains I don't want to be known for my looks I'm like oh I feel so bad for Queen Vashti and as I prayed about it more the Holy Spirit spoke to me and the Holy Spirit said Charlene you know what just as King Xerxes wanted to show off his wife every man every husband actually wants to show off their wives and I'm sitting there and I'm like huh I thought they just wanted to help her. And, um, and God was like, every man has a deep desire in their hearts to want to show off the wife. Because they've worked really hard for this wife. Like, you know, it's, it, like, they pursued them because they love them, because they're proud of them. And that's the reason why they married them. And as men, like, they really want other men to say, hey, you've done really well. And I was like, wow, God, like, I never saw it that way. And so, and, and so, like, I had all these verses in my head. I was like, this is this really true? Um, could this, like, is this really the case? And so, you know what I did? I went up to Pastor JB, and I said, Pastor JB, is it really true that men care so much about the way a woman looks? And Pastor JB is like, oh, <laughs> so women in this place like I do not recommend that you go up to your men today and go is that really how you feel don't do that because do you know what I learned I learned that the men in your life especially your husband is way too scared to really tell you the truth (laughs) he does not want to talk to you about your appearance and the way that you look and so don't do it but so then I left Pastor JB and I, I talked to God I said God like I don't get it. I said, your Bible, like the word says, charm is deceptive, beauty is fleeting, but a woman who praises the Lord or a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. I'm like, it's all about the inside. It's nothing about my, you know, charm is deceptive, like beauty is fleeting. And then I said, God, and do you look at the heart? And so why is that it's right for women to care so much about looks? I said, that's wrong. Men should repent. <laughs> Thank God. The Holy Spirit is on your side, guys. Because then the Holy Spirit was like, you know what, Shar? It's actually not about looks. See, your husband doesn't care about what size dress you wear. Your husband really doesn't care about, like, how much makeup you put on or what clothes you wear. What he cares about the most is who you are and whether you are proud of yourself and whether you, like, present yourself in a way where you are proud and makes him proud. And that has actually more to do to do with, like, your attitude. It has more to do with um, the way that you, you know, the, the way that you carry yourself. It has more to do with the inside than it has to do with the outside. And so women in this place, like, please do not go out and buy a whole new wardrobe. But I think this is what really matters. See, this, last week I was reading a story, and it was an interview with this man who was talking about his wife. And this man said, you know, before my wife and I got married, um, she really dressed up, like, every time we went on a date. And I could really see that she tries to make herself look pretty and really tries to impress me. But ever since we got married, I don't know what happened. She, she wakes up and she eats chocolate donuts for breakfast. And then she would just sit at the couch and she would just veg there all day in her pajamas. And as a result, over the last couple of years, she's like doubled in weight. And this woman is like, and, th- and this guy's like, I feel like I've married two women. And and then and then he said, you know, it's and he goes, and he can this, but this is what he says. He says, I don't really care so much about the fact that she has gained weight, but what I care about is that she doesn't take time to take care of herself anymore. What makes him really sad is that she doesn't value herself anymore to the point where it's almost like she's just given up. And the second thing he said really struck me. He said, and when she gives up on how she looks, when she, when she gives up in her attitude, when she doesn't really try to impress me anymore, it makes me feel like I'm not that important to him and that I am not loved. And I was like, looking at this, and I'm thinking, wow, God, I never knew that. I never knew that that's the kind of effect that it has on a man, that he would feel not loved. And, 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 you know, I, I continue to read Esther. And so I kept reading Esther. And so here the king has asked the queen to come and make her royal appearance. But do you know what the queen did? Let's take a look. In, Queen, uh, in Esther one twelve it says, but when the attendants delivered the king's command, which was to come and make a royal appearance, Queen Vashti refused to come. Then the king became furious and burned with anger. See, look what happened. Queen Vashti was summoned by the, by the king, and she knew full well that if she turns the king down, it would cause public humiliation. And it would completely humiliate and embarrass him in front of all the guests that he has invited. And guess what happened after that? He was so mad. He was so mad that he decided, you are not going to be my queen anymore. I am going to dethrone you. And then he sent out this edict that said, I would like a new queen. And he actually found a new queen to replace Queen Vashti. Now, When I'm reading this story, I'm like, Lord, that's extremely harsh. I mean, could it just be that Queen Vashti had a really bad day and that she just didn't, like, feel like it? I mean, this is really harsh punishment for a woman. And do you know what the Holy Spirit said to me? The Holy Spirit said, but Charlene, look, when the women do not step up to their role as the trophy in their husband's lives, when they are not willing to take up that role, what happens is that he will go somewhere else and look for it in someone else or in something else. And he said, I want you to tell the women in this place. They're not going to hear this from their husband. I want you to tell the women in this place that that when marriages have problems, don't be surprised. Because when you do not fulfill that role as the trophy, as the person that your husband is really proud of, then he will go and find someone else or find it somewhere else. And so th- that's, that's the reason why I'm sharing, with this, sharing this with you. See, there's another, verse in the, um, there's another verse in the Bible, and it's from 1 Corinthians eleven seven, 7. And it says, the woman is the man's glory. For me, I think this is an affirmation that God, like, really cares about this. The woman is the man's glory. Now, what is glory? Glory is talking about splendor. It's talking about magnificence. It's talking about beauty. And the Bible says that man is a glory, like that man is God's glory and that woman is man's glory. I don't think this is in any way trying to, God trying to say, you know, women, you are lower than men. I don't think it's that at all. But it's saying that women, one of your roles is to shine as the glory of your husband, to shine as your husband's trophy. And that is not a demeaning role. It's simply because your husband loves you so much that he wants to be proud of you and he wants to show you off. And so, you know, as I, as I got this truth, I said, oh, I really got to tell the women. See, I'm telling you this because I don't want this to happen to you. I want you to know that you are your husband's glory. And I want your husband's eyes to light up every time they see you because you are shining because you are his glory. Amen? Amen. Amen. Last point. Last point, and I'm going to close. See, the last point is that the wife is a fighter. Now, I'm not talking about, like, fighting with your husband. I'm talking about fighting the real enemy. I'm going to tell you a story. And it's about a wife um, and how she prayed for her husband. See, there there was a couple by the name of Danny, and Dan, and, um, sorry, Tammy and Dan, and, and Tammy and Dan, they, they had been married for about 12 years, and, uh, and in their 12th year of marriage, it was really, really tough for them. Dan was extremely busy, he was the breadwinner of the home, and he was going to work every single day, as well as doing grad school, and he also just carried the burden of (coughs) providing financially for his home. And Tammy, she was also very busy. So there was a period of time in their life where, like, they just did not see eye to eye. And they were constantly in conflict. And uh, Tammy felt like, you know what? The problem is all because of Dan. And so she would seek out the help of, like, marriage counselors and say, can you please do something about this? Can you talk to him? And if that didn't work, she would go to the pastor and go, could you please talk to my husband? And if that didn't work, she'd be like she would nag him, she would criticize him and and nothing was working. Just nothing was working. And their marriage was starting to fall apart. And so she was really desperate. And she was like, I don't know what to do. Until one day her friend called her and said, "Tammy, have you tried praying? Have you tried praying for your husband?" And she's like, "It's not going to work. I've been praying, but like nothing is going to ha- nothing's happening." And her friend is like, no, I want you to get down on your knees and I want you to pray for your husband. And so that day she got into her living room, she knelt down, planted her face into the carpet, and she cried out and prayed for her husband like never before. And this is what she says. She says, on that day, she felt like this grip that she had over her husband, like wanting him to be a certain way and wanting to change him, like she felt like all of that was all of a sudden loosened from her arms. And and then she said, and, and then she started, and she just kept praying and praying to the point where like she, you know, she calls her best friend and she's like, hey, Cindy, like, can we meet up on Friday mornings to pray for our husbands? And so she started doing that and weeks went by, two weeks, three weeks, and four weeks. And by the fourth week, she started to notice a difference. She started to notice that her husband had a joy on his face that, that she hadn't seen in a very long time. And, uh, and that her husband started wanting to come home for dinners and actually want to spend time with the kids before they go to bed. She started noticing that her husband's attitude changed and that he started wanting to like, help out a little bit more around the house. And the biggest change that she noticed was that her husband wanted to read the Bible. Every morning before he left, the, left for the office, he wanted to read the Bible and he wanted to pray with the family. And she was like, wow. Wow. I did not know that could happen through prayer. And so why is in this place? If you want your husband to change, don't nag him. Don't criticize him. Because if you want him to change, what he needs most is actually your prayer. And in fact, prayer is the only thing that can change. There's a verse in the Bible in Ephesians 6.12. It says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. And then John 10.10, it says, I'm going to get everyone to read it with me. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. See, wives in this place, you might think that your greatest enemy is your husband. Well, let me tell you, your greatest enemy is not your husband. The Bible clearly says that your greatest enemy is the dark forces. It's it's Satan. And you know what? Satan has one agenda. He only has one agenda. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy you, your husband, and your family, and your marriage that's his only agenda, and he will do whatever it takes to get there. But do you know what the good news is? See, the good news is that Jesus Christ showed that he had all the authority, absolute authority, and victory over the enemy when he died on the cross, and he rose again at the grave. See, Jesus, as children of God, we also have that authority in Jesus Christ. We have the authority to command the enemies to get out of our homes, to get out of our families, to get away from our husband, and to get away from us. We have that authority. And that, I believe, is one of the greatest roles, one of the most valuable roles that we have as women to be a helper in our husband's lives, is to be their intercessors, is to stand in the gap and pray for them. And this is what I really believe. I believe that God is raising up a generation of women to start standing up to pray for their husbands. Do you know why? It's because God has given women a very special gift of intuition and insight. We're able to perceive the enemy, like, sometimes before our husband even knows that the enemy is around. And God wants each and every one of us, the women in this place, to use that gift to fight in his kingdom. And I believe that God is raising up this generation of women who are gonna stand up and say, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for my husband because when I start praying, I believe that chains will be loosened, that bondages will be broken, that fears will subside. I believe that when we start praying, that's when the enemy is scared And that's when addictions will be cut off and that's when our husbands are going to change and you know what's more it's not just that our husbands are going to change it's that our families are going to start changing and when our families start changing our church is going to be strengthened and that's why with my full heart i believe that god is raising up a generation of women to stand up and start fighting through our prayers and women in this place i have a question for you in this place today Are you going to stand there at the sideline and watch your husband being attacked by the enemy? Or are you going to stand in the gap and say, I'm going to fight for him? Let's stand up and respond to God in this place.